Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1, and um, we're going to read through uh, to verse 14 real quick. Stay hooked. Do not zone out. I know sometimes when a minister gets up and starts reading Bible, there's some reason we zone out. Can I say something? The things I read are more important than the things I say commenting on what we read. All right? So don't zone out during that part. All right? So here we go. Ephesians chapter 1, it goes like this. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through jesus christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. I would underline that right there. Of course, you can underline the whole thing, but things in heaven and on earth. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believe in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Woo! Now, I'm going to say, like, so, so that what we just read, um, that verses 3 through 14 in the original language is actually just one long sentence, right? And it's actually almost like a, a Jewish poem or song or something. It's very artful and and we kind of miss it when we translate it in english but just this one long run-on sentence would which make my grammar teacher a little crazy but it's a poem so you're allowed to get away with that kind of stuff when you're being creative like that and that's what he has right here that's what we see right here this is paul the apostle paul writing to the church in ephesus and, and that something you know is at the time this is written, Ephesus was probably the second biggest city in the known world. And here's Paul. He's writing to these guys. Being a big city, I'm going to tell you something. It was a diverse place. Even, even back in Bible times, cities were diverse places. Small towns, sometimes rural 
you have a lot of the same people group, you know, everyone's your cousin, they all look like you, right? Thanks, Mom. You laugh at my joke. But this is a big city, a diverse place. And here is Paul. He's writing to the church of Ephesus. Now, there's some Jewish people in Ephesus, which is what Paul was. And then there's a lot of people who've never heard about this thing at all in Ephesus, like probably even more what we call Gentiles or non-Jewish people. And this is who Paul is writing to. And, and he starts off this letter, and I just love it. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And we're going to talk more about that by the will of God here in just a moment. And he's writing to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. I, I, I just like, like, can you imagine someone writing a letter to you and they're like, I'm writing this letter to you for in a house of prayer. You are faithful in Christ Jesus. That's the first thing I'm going to say about you. You're faithful in Christ Jesus. Someone say amen. I, I, I will preach you in with me here. Then he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, which that's a whole thing we can do. But I'm going to stop right here with verse 3. We're really going to pour into verse 3 to however far we get today. I don't think we're going to make it. I just already feel we're just, I'm just going to have to pull the plug at some point, and we're all just going to have to go home and scream because of how good God is. Blessed. Stop. Underline that. Blessed. And can I tell you something? I, I just want to like. All right. I, I'm, I'm going to. Okay. I, this is totally selfish, but I wish I could go to my own funeral. I mean, I'll kind of be there, but I won't really be there. Um, I'll be having a party. Um, but I wish I could, and the only reason is, is because you know what's going to happen? People are going to grab the microphone, and hopefully they're going to talk about how great I was. <laughs> and I've said it, I don't know how many times. When you have those open mic, and they, they don't, I know they don't call them funerals anymore. Um, they call them celebration of life services. But, I mean, have you ever been, and I know I want to be sensitive because we've all been through those times of loss, and that's not like, it's not what we're talking about. But have you ever been to what you would call a good funeral? Where you walk away from there and like, yeah, it was heavy, it was rough, but man, God is so good. Have you ever been there? Where like they got up and they started talking about this person and, and, and they just started saying all the amazing things they had accomplished. All the people they had touched. The wonderful life that they had lived in Christ. And you walk out of there like, did I just go to a funeral? Did I go to a church service? In fact, better than that because my heart, my heart is elevated because of what I heard going on. And you know what we call that though, right? When someone gets up at a funeral and talks about the good people, what do we call that? Thanks, Mom. My mom's helping me today. A eulogy. We call that a eulogy. And I know if you're familiar with that word, you hear eulogy and it's a eulogy. You know, we're going to eulogize. And, um, you think of it kind of the way you think of this word blessed. Ironically, in the original language, this word blessed comes from the same root word as eulogy. 
to get up and just talk good about someone, just be flattering about them. But here's what I hate. Even in English, that word eulogy, it's not eulogy like in the sad sense. It's eulogy as in the when you walk out, you felt awesome. Like this word blessed, we use it like someone sees it like, oh, God bless you. Oh, bless you. You know, you see a little panda sneeze. Oh, bless him. You know, that's the way we use the word bless. Or we say, oh, bless his heart. Oh, just, oh, he tries so hard, bless his heart. Like that's the Christian way to get away with saying bad, uh, something bad about someone. As you just say anything you want to and just add bless his heart. You know, like, oh, he's such an idiot, bless his heart. Um, <laughs> which you should never do now. We speak life. Um, but we use this little, this little bless, and even sometimes, you know, and, and man, I wish, ah, uh, like, I want to, I always make fun of the little cheesy flowery church signs all the time, and I get it, they're beautiful and, and everything, I'm not just hacking on them, but sometimes we just have this little flowery way of looking at things that they're more intense than the little flowery church sign, like, blessed, you know, like, like, it's not that. When, you, when someone says, how you doing? You say, I'm blessed. Or, or, or when you just see someone at the store, you say, bless you. It's not some sort of just little like passive pansy thing. That in the original language, when they say blessed, when they say this word that was like uh, eulogy, I'm not going to try to pronounce it in the original Greek. It, w- it was more than just, it's a blessing. It was like to not just speak good about someone, but to flatter them. Like, to tell them how awesome they are. I'm just going to completely flatter you about yourself. To be praised, to bring fame and glory to that person. Can I tell you something? Like, like according, if you use that word, like, I don't know, was there any Kansas City Chiefs fans in the room? I don't know. Anybody? We're not a bunch of sports people in here. But if you were an intense Kansas City Chiefs fan, you would realize that right now, that team is blessed in the biblical sense of the word. Now, not blessed in the little, like, those guys, they had a huge parade for them. The whole city comes out. I mean, it, big stuff, celebrating that. They are, that's biblical blessing, not the, be blessed, brother, you know, as he leaves the church. That's not, that's nothing. Anyway, it's, it's blessing. It's Thanksgiving. It's a gift. It's a gift. Can I tell you something? If you walk by, and I'm not like, listen, if you say bless you, brother, to me, I'm not going to make fun of you or correct you. I, I get it. But it's more than this, like, religious tradition-y thing that we say when we say I'm blessed. Like, like when I say I'm blessed, it's like, I'm, I'm blessed. And when we look at the scripture, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just saying, you're so blessed, Father. No, no, no. It's, it's how many of God is deserving of all praise and all glory and all honor and all fame. He, we should just completely flatter him. Is God that good? Right? So this word bless, I just wish we, I could rip it out of your religious hearts, just shred it to pieces and just completely reset the usage of the word for you today. Now, society is still going to use it in the little Cupid sweet way. But you, when you see this word blessed in your Bible, it should waken something up in your heart. Where you go, 
blessed. Man, God, he's completely awesome, deserving of praise and honor, and let's just flatter him today. And that, that's what we, why we come in and we worship. If you didn't realize it, that, that worship, it ain't about you. It's about him. We just want to flatter him. And, and I've listened to some of my other pastor friends in the last few weeks talks about like people in their congregation c- complaining about the songs they do. And, and yeah, sure, I mean, we'll, we'll listen to you s- on something, sure. But at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's about him. So, anyway. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Get this, so now if we all agree that we should completely flatter God, if we should completely tell him how awesome he is, we used to sing a song. I'm, I can't even get off this. We used to sing this song like, like, like I could sing unending songs of how you saved my soul. An unending song. And then we started singing some other stuff too, right? Like, and then uh, like, I, gave, I gave our worship leader a hard time, um, Zach, who's in Tulsa now getting that learning. Um, we sing that song, You're Worthy of Every Song We Could Ever Sing. And then one day I heard him singing some, you know, other secular song. It wasn't a bad song. It was just another song. I was like, well, that's not, that's not about Jesus. You said you're worthy of every song you could ever sing. And now you're singing something else. But how many know, I'm just joshing with him, but, but how many know that he is really worthy of every song we could ever sing? Now, I'm not hacking on other songs, but, you know, let that convict your heart. All right, so let's move on. It goes on to say this, that God who we're flattering, who we're talking so good about, we're praising, we're making him famous. Next part, he has blessed us. He has blessed us. Not you're blessed. No, no, no. He thinks you're awesome. He thinks you're incredible. He, he wants to flatter you. How? Well, it's not because of you. Because how many know? You're like, uh, I don't know why he would do that. I'm pretty jacked up. True story. How? He's blessed us. How? In Christ. Not because, listen, listen, we already know. We're going to get into this later. It, it's not because of us. Because I can't brag about me. I'm just messed up. But can I tell you what? God has completely blessed me. He's completely thinks I'm awesome because I am in Christ. He has blessed me in Christ. And I love this with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. And that's that same word blessing there. If every complete just like I'm just going to lavish on you how awesome I think you are. It's completely yours. Everything is yours. You're going to get it. I'm, we're going to keep going. You're going to get this. You're going to get this. All right. Maybe, maybe, some, maybe some context will help us out. Let's flip over. Keep, put your little ribbon in your Bible to Ephesians, and you're probably going to keep it there for a few weeks. Let's flip over to Acts. And... Um, John, can I get a little cup of water or something? Thank you. Acts chapter, um, let's do, 
I'll tell you about the end of 18, and then we're going to actually read 19. So at the end of 18, what happens is, is that Paul ends up in Ephesus. This is the story about Paul's first trip to Ephesus. And when he gets there, the people are like, we want to keep hearing about what's going on. And Paul's like, I can't. I got to get to Jerusalem. I got to go, but I promise I'll be back to Ephesus. The, the, the letter we're reading, right? He says, I'll be back. So he leaves. Apollo stays. Now, here's, this is another man of God. Apollo stays, and here's, here's Apollos' deal. Apollos, he had heard John the Baptist preach, right? And so he just began to preach what he knew about Jesus from John the Baptist. And these other people who had actually heard the message of Jesus Christ, that he had risen from the dead and all this, they find Apollos and they're like, look, okay, what you're saying is true. Actually, the, the, the wording is, what you're saying is accurate, but there's more that goes with it. There's more, let me, let me help you get it more accurate, is the way it says. I'm going to give you some more. And they tell him the entire gospel message. Then we get to 19. And let's read this. Now, I'm going to tell you, that what starts with 12 guys at the beginning of chapter 19 is going to end with a riot. Now, this happens about five years before the letter we just read to the church of Ephesians. So, so the letter we just read where Paul's like, blessed are you, right? Rewind five years. This is how Paul met these people, all right? Well, this is just a messed up story. It's awesome. So when it happened that while Paulos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus, this big city, right? And there he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit, right? Because they'd only heard from Apollos. And he said, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who is coming after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. This is a crazy story. He leads them to Christ. He lays hands on them and they just start speaking in tongues and prophesying. Guys, that's a good church service. Verse 7, there are about 12 men in all. So these 12 guys. I can tell you something. 12 guys can start a lot of trouble. There are about 12 of them in all. Verse 8. So he, that's Paul, entered the synagogue. This is like Jewish church. And for three months spoke boldly reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. So he's not just like, I'm just going to come through one day and preach and now I'm gone. For three months, he's just discipling the synagogue, right? But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, and that's what they used to call Christians back then, it was the followers of the way, 
speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannius. This continued for two years, so that all of the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So, so some trouble started in this Jewish synagogue, and Paul was finally like, okay, look, all you guys who are disciples of Jesus, let, let's go do this. Like, I need to be able to teach you with all that other noise going on. So he pulls them all aside, and now he's got all these other disciples that he's discipling. And once again, it wasn't just a, here, pray this prayer, now I'm going to go on to the next city. It was, I'm going to stay here and wait. For how long now? Two years. Like, we would say he's pastoring these guys. He's discipling them. He's, he's an apostle. He's over this, these people right here. And not just Jews. It's Jews and Greeks, non-Jews. Then it gets a little crazier. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Get, think, think about this. This is, I don't, it's messed with me when I read it. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Guys, things are getting hyped up. Not them trying to work anything up. Things are just happening. God is just doing a thing. And they're just letting it happen. Then some of the uh, itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. The seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit, uh, who was the evil spirit, leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. I just want to pause here and just like, okay, so here's Paul, he's doing his thing, like evil spirits are coming out of people. People are watching what's going on in Paul's life. They're seeing what he's doing. And so some of the other Jewish exorcists are like, well, if it's working for him, maybe we should try it. And so these Jewish exorcists are going to these people with, with they don't even believe in Jesus themselves. They're just going to these demon-possessed people and saying, come out in the name of Jesus who Paul talks about. That's crazy. I mean, we wouldn't even try to cast out a demon today, some of us. But they were like, I'm going to do it. I don't even know this Jesus guy, but it seems to be working. Until one day, the, and the devil, can I say something? This is such a great example of how the, the Lord can take something that the enemy meant for evil. And he's like, oh, yeah, watch this. So, so one day these guys are like, in the name of Jesus, who Paul talks about, come out. And this demon's like, I know Paul. I know Jesus. But who in the world are you? And then kicks all their butts. 
strips, like rips their clothes off them, beats them up, and sends them out naked. Now, how many know if that happened in this church this morning, if one of you was demon possessed and I tried to cast the demon out of you, and you're like, oh, there's no authority there, and we all, like, all the men of this church around here stripped because, oh my gosh, we got beat up so bad. We would all say, oh man, the enemy really had his way today. Right? Like, this is an intense service. Like, we would be like, yeah, yeah God was not glorified in that at all. And the Lord's like, no, that's not the way I'm leaving this. It says the name of Jesus, like people heard about it, and they realized, hang on a second, there's something to this. There's something to this. And it says the name of Jesus was extolled. The name of Jesus was praised. The name of Jesus was made famous. Guys, it is just barely getting started right now. Things are getting nuts. People are being healed. Demons are coming out. People are getting beat up, driven out naked. Things are getting crazy right about now. Just so you know, this is what church was like in Ephesus. Some of you would have been uncomfortable in that church. For the, for the sake of time, I'll just kind of paraphrase what happens through the rest of the, uh, of the chapter here. Still in Ephesus. This is what happens. In Ephesus, there's these guys who made these little statues of a god of Ephesus. And they're like, this is our little Ephesus god. And because so many people were turning to Christ, people stopped buying little statue gods. Because you can't serve two masters. And it made them mad. And so they got together and they said, listen, this is a terrible thing that's happening. We're losing out on a bunch of money. We need to get these people to stop. And so they start a riot. They drag them into this coliseum. This coliseum, these things seats like thousands of people. It, it fills up. It makes the city officials so nervous because you've got to understand, this is the Roman Empire. You're not allowed to riot. They'll send in people to snuff out that stuff. The city officials start getting nervous. Paul's like, let me at them. I'll go in there and talk to them all. And all of the city officials are like, no, Paul. No, 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 no. No, you should not go in there. You shouldn't say no. And even the other Christians are like, no, Paul, this is not your, this is not your battle right here. And it stirs up quite a riot through the entire town because the name of Jesus being proclaimed, that it's upsetting the religious norm. It's upsetting the things that are going on, the status quo, the daily life. As I'm talking about revival here this morning. Where God moves in such a way that it's, uh, it, it distorts our, our religious norm. It, it, it transforms our daily life so it doesn't look like what it used to. And, and I get it. Like, like, and I would never like, well, I wouldn't say never. Um, I would say this. There's some people who go to church just because it's the religious thing to do. They don't really know Jesus but their daily, their, their weekly attendance to church is no more than a little statue to them. It's not Jesus they want, it's the religious experience they want. And I would say for us today, ladies and gentlemen, is to make sure that we're not among, even sitting in this house today, it could be some of us. It could be some of, of these sitting in the other churches around us. And we have to make sure that we're saying, you know what, Jesus, I want you so much that that the religious tradition isn't what's important to me. It's actually knowing who you are. 
So it ends, I mean, at, at the end of the chapter, it, it's, it just says, um, it's this people saying, uh, in verse 44, we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today since there's no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And we had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. That was the city official saying, guys, really? This has got to stop. And they left. And then Paul, he, he leaves Ephesus after being there two to three years. Now, this is some pretty intense stuff. So then Paul gets put in prison. And while he's in prison, he's like, you know who I'm going to write to? I'm going to write to those guys. I'm going to write to those guys. They're pretty intense. They're pretty intense. And that's when he writes this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Those people were having a revival. And Paul knew it. Then he goes on to say this. Even as he chose us, say chose. He chose us. How many know God chose you? Nah, do you know God chose you? Once again, I know from your Sunday school that you know that God chose you. Oh, I forgot. Oh, I can't go backwards. I got to go forwards. There's so much about blessing that I didn't even say. It's all good. Being blessed is awesome. You guys get the point. All right. Um, we got to say chose. He says this. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Look at me, because I know you know this, but you don't know this. God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. I don't know. Here, flip to Genesis chapter 1. Go to Genesis 1. We're doing this. I know you know it. I'm not patronizing you. I'm growing you. Go to Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. This is what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was out without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. Or as I preached before, light exists. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. You see all that? Okay, listen to this. You ready? Michaela, before that happened, God chose you. Before he said, let there be light, he chose you. Bob, in the beginning, God created that, woke back up. Before that, God chose you. Before the first line is written in this book, you are chosen. Guys, I know we know it, but I don't want you just to know it. I want you to know it. 
that before this thing burst into existence, God chose you specifically. Tabitha, he chose you. You. And then he started creating. That's the way this thing works. In, in Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I knew you. None of that is he knew the plans he had for you. The psalmist said it like this in one, Psalm 139. He says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Galatians says it like this. It says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. Guys, it's all through. And then there's like, I got a hundred scriptures like that. Well, not a hundred, but a lot. That just say this. Before this whole thing started, God already, he had already chosen you. He already knew you. He had already called you. You are not an accident this morning. He has chosen you. Man, if we could just like, like take a stake and just, just drive that in right there into your heart, like, like right here is where we want to live, is that I am chosen by God. Because I know, I know, some days I just feel like an accident. Some days I feel like I'm just wandering through life, and gosh, I hope I make it and don't screw up today. Anybody else? That's the way it feels, but I'm telling you, that's not the way... It is. You are chosen by God before the foundation of the world. And not just chosen like, like, I like you. No. For what? Look at the next part. That we should be holy and blameless before him. I'm definitely not holy or blameless. That's, that's, oh, I, we know. It's not you. It's Christ in you. And yet he chose you to be holy and blameless because he already knew. He already knew that his son was going to set us all free. And this is what I love in the next verse. It says, in love, he predestined us. In love. He predestined us. For what? For adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and, golly. Like, and this is, golly, people get in really big theological debates about predestination. Like, wait a minute. If he knew everything that was going to happen, and he had already chose me before, and he knew everything that was going to go on, do I really have free will? Guys, we could talk in circles about that all day long. And I don't have any great theological answers for you this morning. Like, I'm going to solve it right now. Are we predestined or do we have free will? The answer to that is yes. Which I know would drive some of my really smart theological friends crazy. Um, but man, it totally feels like free will from where I'm sitting. But when I read the word, it says that I was predestined for adoption. 
How many have just ever felt just completely like, like, I just don't belong? That feeling of not belonging, that feeling of loneliness. Can I tell you that's straight from the enemy? That's straight from the pit of hell. That's like, like loneliness is never from the Lord. If you've ever sitting there and you're like, man, I just feel so lonely. That is not God saying, well, I just really wanted you to feel lonely for a while. No, 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 no. He predestined you for adoption as, as a son. And, and ladies, that includes you. It's, it's just the way they wrote things back then. Like, like you're, you're adopted. Which, you know, adopted people will tell you, like, we're better because they had to have you, but they chose to get us. So I would say this, you are no accident, and it goes on to say this in the ne- next part of the verse, according to the purpose of his will. You are no accident, you are part of the purpose of God's will. He predestined you, he chose you to walk holy and blameless according to the purpose of his will. It's his heart's desire that you will walk with him. Because you are his son or his daughter. You're not an accident. He doesn't want you to be lonely. The scripture says he will never leave us or forsake us. You have a family and it's the family of God. If that doesn't instill just a little bit of confidence in you, oh my goodness gracious. And this is why it says, is it because you're so great? Nope. It's because this is to praise of his glorious grace. To the praise of his glorious grace. Listen. Listen, were you good enough to be adopted as a son? No way. You're crummy. You're like, I just feel crummy sometimes. Well, true. But here's what happens. God looked at you. And he adopted you. Because he is gracious. And that just brings him more glory. God, you are so, you're so gracious that you would choose me. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. While I was still jacked up, he gave everything just so he could have me, just so he could pay for my debt. Can you imagine having a friend? Well, it wouldn't be a friend. Having someone you know, that you meet them, and they have tons of debt. And you're like, you know what? You really messed up and you have tons of debt, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay it all off for you. Now, that's a good dude that'll do that. <laughs> like I, I need to find one of those friends. Like, just pay it all. I got some student loans I'd like to knock out. Um, and to think that that's what Christ did for us. Like, imagine the debt, the debt that we could never pay. And yet here's, man, uh, uh, this this was so impacting in Ephesus, we didn't read this part. If you go back and look at it in the book of Acts, like God so moved in that place that some of these other like sorcerers and mystics in the area, they were like, oh man, if this Jesus thing is true, then what I'm doing is wrong. And they had all these scrolls. We would have books today. They had all these books that taught them how to do all their magic and stuff like that. And they just had a bonfire and they burned them all. And, and, the estimate was that it was like the equivalent to 50,000 
shekels of silver, whatever. That, that, it, and that would be like one day's wage. So 50,000 one day's wages, which would be like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars worth of books they just burned because they didn't glorify Christ. And that was also part of their livelihood and part of the way to make it through the day. Like, man, if I'm having a day, I'll, bad day, I'll just look through this little mystical book and I'll chant this little chant. And now I'm, you know, on my way. Little incantations and you're like, nah, I'm, I'm leaving that behind. I'm burning it. Can you imagine that kind of revival where all of us say, you know what? We're having a bonfire. Bring all the things that are keeping you from Christ. Guys, God was moving in Ephesus. God was moving in Ephesus. I'm going to stop early. Not yet, but I'm going to stop early. I'm not going to, I'm just warning, I'm not going to make it all the way through. I'm not done yet, but I'm going to go, hey, where's Robert? Hey, Robert, you come down and play something not so sad sounding. It's all good, but you know. This is what it says in verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace. All this is happening isn't so that you can get praised. It's not happening so that you can look awesome. It's happening so that we can see his glorious grace. Once again, it's all for the glory of God. Which he has blessed us in the beloved. And, and I'm going to stop here okay does everyone see that word blessed i don't know what your translation says it says that which he has it says to the praise of his glorious grace which he has blessed us in the beloved now that's a different word blessed there that's like a gift that's like where i'm gonna bless you with something right that's a different kind of blessing it's actually the same word in greek as that word grace almost so you're saying that he his glorious Grace, like he gives things so graciously. And he's going to keep gracing us with it, giving gifts to us. That means he must be a pretty good dad. In him, we have redemption. And I was preaching ahead, but this is what I was saying. In him, we have redemption through his blood. Not because you're great, not because you're awesome. Because that you went a whole week and didn't get in a fight with your spouse. So now God likes you again. You went a whole week and you didn't do that bad thing that you always do. Now God thinks you're pretty great. Nope. Why were you bought? How were you bought? Through the blood of Jesus. He paid it all. Jesus paid it all by giving his own life. So now I have the forgiveness of my trespasses according to the riches of his grace. You know how rich God is? His, his grace is so rich. He just, it says here, he, he lavishes upon us. I almost think, I mean, you're, ducktails that scrooge mcduck and he had those piles of money he would just swim in right i'd be like man i need an uncle like that and and just think just just lavish you with grace i'm just gonna like it's not just like here you get a little grace and you get a little grace i can't i have to be careful about how much i give out 
let me budget out some grace today. It's not like you and me. We have to be careful. Make sure that we end the month with enough money, right? In the black, yes. Not like that. He just lavishes it out there. You need some grace? Here you go. Some of you need to hear that. That's our dad I'm talking about. You're supposed to be like your dad. Oh, that's hard. Just lavishing grace. Here's some grace. He must be pretty careless. He must be a pretty careless God. If he's just going to dole out grace like that. You don't know what they've done. You must be pretty reckless with your grace. No, not according to the next part of this verse. He says he did it in all wisdom and insight. It wasn't just some careless, like, because you would think it's just this careless, you get a car and you get a car. No, no. It was this careful insight. Because uh, did you ever hear that story when Oprah gave out the cars? You, we've all heard the, and you get a car and you get a car. And then everyone goes home with their car, and all of a sudden, so they they actually had a huge oversight when they gave them all the cars. Sales tax. So it was a big, uh-oh, we got to get some more money because we forgot to give them, now they have these cars and they have property taxes and stuff they have to pay for these cars. And it was a big uh-oh moment for Oprah and her team. Not God, he doesn't have that kind of oversight. He's, he's dealing it out so lavishly upon you, but he's doing it with all wisdom and insight. He knows exactly. He's going to give you all that you need and not carelessly, carefully. He's lavishing it upon you. And what's going to happen with all this reckless grace that we think God's giving out? Well, he's going to make known to us the mystery of his will. How many of you have ever prayed that, God, just let me know what you're doing? I know, because I've talked to some of you this morning. It'd be nice just to know what's going to happen this week, wouldn't it? And God's like, no, no, no. I'm going to tell you the mystery of what I'm doing. I'm going to tell you the mystery of my will according to the purpose, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. He has a plan, and, it, and, and this, this, like, we don't say it like this. Like, we say at the end of time. That's not the way the Bible describes it. He doesn't describe it as the end of time. The Bible describes it as the fullness of time. There is a time where we're going to get to where time will be fulfilled. We'll get to the fullness of time. And this isn't just an accident of God going, oh, crap, I didn't realize that was going to happen. I better figure out what I'm going to do in this situation. No, no, no. He has a plan for the fullness of time. You know what that plan is? You underlined it. Did you underline it? What is that? What is the goal of his plan? You can say it. I'll allow you. To, to unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. Things in heaven and on earth. How many think heaven's a pretty awesome place? I've heard some pretty great things about it. Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he said, pray on earth as it is in heaven. And the reason Jesus is doing all this crazy stuff with his grace and his blessings and everything that's going on is because he wants to unite heaven and earth. 
And guys, listen, it, it's this whole idea of, of it's already happened, but it hasn't happened fully yet. It's already happened. When Jesus came, things started happening. But Jesus is coming again. And in that moment will be the actual fullness of time when Jesus comes again. But until then, we're just like, oh, well, I guess. No, no, no. Until then, as sons and daughters, as ambassadors to the king, it is now our job. It is now our job to be like, okay, okay, it might not have happened yet, but I'm going to pull heaven and earth together. I'm going to be part of what my dad is doing and try to unite all things under him. And so, so now look at your life. Look at the things you're walking through. Look at your daily struggle. Look at your daily celebrations and the things you rejoice in. Are you uniting all things under him? Are you being like your dad? Are you lavishing that grace with all wisdom and insight? I think, I think Forerunner House of Prayer that God really, really, really just wants to mess us up. In verse 6, where it says he gives us grace, that gift, that favor, that's the same word, the exact same word when when the angel appeared to Mary and said, you have favor with God, hey, guess what? You're going to have the Son of God because you have favor with God. That's some kind of favor. That's the same, that's the same word. He's giving you the same favor. Like, oh, man, Mary, she, she, she must have been something special. Sure, and so are you. You're something special. And God just wants to lavish you with his grace. I want the whole worship team to come up. Because I think that the, the appropriate response um, to this this morning isn't, isn't just like, well, let's say a little prayer and do a little thing. Like, I think the appropriate response to Ephesians chapter 1 is to be like, Lord, you're awesome. Look, can I just read this again while they're coming up? Can I just, let's just, now that we've heard all this, we have some insight to it. Let's just look at it again. It says, blessed. Oh, that's that word. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I agree with that. Who blessed us in Jesus Christ with every spiritual blessing. That's enough to make you want to shout right there. In heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Drew, you're chosen. Aaron, you're chosen. Bart, you're chosen. We're chosen. That we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love. In love. He predestined us for adoption. In love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, you are no accident. To the praise of His glorious favor, His glorious gift, His glorious grace, which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, meaning He paid every bit of it. 
the forgiveness of our trespasses. Listen, I, I, I didn't, listen. I know you know you're forgiven of your sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. But can I tell you something this morning? You are forgiven of your sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. You are redeemed. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to the purpose which he has set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things under him, things in heaven and things on earth. We're not going to get to finish the last three verses of this poem. This is what Paul writes to a church that was born in revival. This is the opening to his letter. And I hope this morning as we've been going through this that maybe just some of that callous religious stuff that we get when we read the Bible, maybe some of that got just raked off a little bit. And we go, wait a minute, this is intense. This is written to a church Demons are coming out of people. Riots are happening. People are being healed. Why? Not so they can say, oh my gosh, riots are happening and people are being healed and demons are coming out of people. No, 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 no. It's all for the glory of God. It's all for the sake of Christ being magnified among them so that the name of Jesus is extolled in the entire city. Something is different about Jesus than what we know. And so today, for in our house of prayer, in the midst of our community, let's put our eyes on Jesus to know him in such a way that the rest of the community looks at us and go, that's, that's different. That's different. There's something about the grace of God they understand that's different. What if we could get a hold of it this morning? What if we could get a hold of it this morning? Will you stand with me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I, don't, I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to pray because God's awesome. I'm going to pray for you. Because I think some of this was clicking for some of you. I, I, some of you need this to click at a moment this week when thoughts start popping up in your head. This needs to be something that rises up in your spirit. This is more true than what you think. This is more true than the thoughts that run around your head and tell you you're worthless, you're not good enough. This is more true than that. You are adopted, you are chosen. If you forget it, give me a call. Message me on Facebook, get a hold of me, and I will we'll remind you. And love and grace will remind you. No, no, no. Let's just pray. Father God, we come before you. God, it feels like we're not even good enough to stand here today after we've looked and seen how good you are. 
God, I read this and my question is, why would you even choose me? Why? I don't know why. But I'm so glad you did. I'm humbled when I see who you really are and how amazing you truly are. God, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation on the people of this congregation. Lord God, as, as some of them walked in this place today with an identity of being broken, being hurt, of living a life in limbo, God, I pray that they would walk out of this place with the word of God rising up in their heart that they are a son and daughter of the King of Kings. That the master of the universe, before he even created the first thing, before he uttered the first word of creation, let there be light, he had chosen you. He has chosen you. God, I pray that the sons and daughters of this house not of this house, God, of, of your family, sons and daughters of your family who are gathered in this house would rise up and walk, Lord God, in the purpose that you have called them according to your will. They would walk in the things you have predestined them for. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.